Hey everyone, welcome to the Next Gen Marine and Outdoors podcast, where we talk fishing, hunting, the marine industry, and the outdoors. I'm Lane Runyon. Let's get on with the show. All right, guys, welcome to episode four, winter jet boating. I'm here with uh, Brock again, and we're just kind of go over what we've been doing and continuing on. One update is I did get my archery whitetail. Knocked him down at 25 yards. It was absolutely amazing. It was my first archery deer. Uh, so much fun. Uh, spot and stock. I'm not sitting in a stand. I'm walking around, and I was able to get one. So, yeah, with that being said, winter jet boating. Brock, what have we been dealing with? Oh, man, slush, ice, you name it. The weather The weather here has been just throwing us a curveball all year. Cold as balls out there. Oh, like crazy. It's, it's what we've been going up in... 13 degree weather yep it's it's been crazy just yeah it's just been really really cold uh so what happens is it snows you have your normal ice chunks from where the river freezes from the outside in and you either drive up river and break these chunks off or it warms up during the day and the chunks break off themselves and you got to contend with driving over eight by eight sections of ice coming down river that are three inches thick sliding over them uh, let's talk about slush. What does slush do to a jet pump? Uh, clogs it. <laughs> Specifically, it clogs it when you're idling. Idling is the worst. It's absolutely uh, just because yeah. you're not you're not causing that impeller to spin fast enough. It's just and it just sucking up all that slush and then it, and it, it sticks to the intake grate, clogs the intake grate all the way across and just freezes like an ice cube across it. Uh huh. And you can't do nothing about it. You yeah. Can't stop it from doing that. So the biggest problem where we've seen that is like going to set up in our spot. Happened a few times. Yep. Um, getting the boat on the trailer. Uh, where this ramp is on the river we're on, it basically the main flow goes right across the ramp. Uh-huh. So these I, this ice slush field is going right down where you need to put your boat to go in there, and it is hell oh, man. putting it up on there. Uh-huh. Um, going fast, when you're up on plane, it seems to just suck it and blow it right back out. Yep, it has no problem keeping you on plane and keeping going. And we've dealt with other issues. The river is different. Um, I thought it was going to be lower, but it's yeah. actually higher in general. Yeah. I think because the con- it's being condensed from the, all the ice being formed, so it is deeper. But you can't see the bottom at any no. part of the day, even in the sunshine. I don't know what it is. It's still clear, but you can you don't yeah. have that crispness on the crisp crispness on the bottom. Um, so you can't see the bottom. So we've let off a few times and hit that intake rate. Oh, yeah, a couple times. Sucked up some good rocks and yeah. severely impacted performance having those rocks in there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so we've been out duck hunting a lot. It's been really fun. I mean, yeah, we've had good I times. Mean, we've gone, what, a handful, like five, Four or six five times, time. yeah. And you've gone a couple times without me. Yep. And so in your 18ccj, we've been recently been running my 20. It's just easier with just to take one, one boat. boat. yeah. It's just doing with that ice chunks and everything like that. It's better to have more hands to help you. Yep. Um, so getting that ice off, I mean, what seems to work most of the time is if you suck it up and you clog up and you can't now don't have any forward thrust, you just shut the motor off. And I say half the time, it just floats off the bottom. Yep, pretty much. Because you're losing all your suction from coming up. Yep, so it seems to just float off, uh, float by. Um, sometimes you do have to tilt it up. Yep. And so you shut off the motor, tilt it up, and then it just falls off. You go back in and start it up and you're good to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and one time I had to take, luckily I had the ax in the boat and, oh, uh, had to beat the intake to get the ice to break off of it. It's, it's sealed up so good. Yeah. 
So those are some of the issues. Um, I'm definitely having a performance loss probably from rocks going through the impeller. It doesn't seem to have too many chips in the impeller, but I can see on the liner there's definitely some wear, so I might have to move that impeller before I do another trip. Mm -hmm. So I'm planning to bring the boat in here and do that. Um, so, I mean, duck hunting, how, I mean, how's it been for you this year? I mean, how do you like it? So far, this year's been great. You know, I mean, this is the first year I've been going out constantly in the past because you haven't duck hunted a lot. A lot, no, no, not at all. I, before, you know, I went three or four times about five years ago. It's been a few years since I've gone. Yeah. This year, I feel like it's been pretty good. This year, you know, got my first goose that I've got to have. Yeah. Got to take home. And he swam into us. It was awesome. Yeah, he landed up a little bit higher up than us and swam down in and then boom, Brock blasted him. So Yeah, that was pretty good. And then the best one, best one this year so far has been the group of teal that we had come in. I mean, so go ahead and tell the story. Cause it was we're, a, it was... we're sitting there in the duck blind. We built this awesome duck blind. We're sitting there, and we hit, like, the mid part of the day, and we're like, yeah, it should pick up here soon for the later flight. We're sitting there, and we're just goofing off. We're playing on our phones, all that, not even paying attention. Lane's sitting here watching a video on Facebook. Turkey frying. Turkey frying. And he's trying to lean, talking to me normal, trying to lean over and show me this video. And I'm like, dude, I just caught, like, all I caught was just the splash in the water. And I happened to just kind of peek up and look. And I just see three heads sitting there moving and looking. He's leaning over, talking to me normal. And I'm like, shut up. Grab your gun. And, his, and I look over at him and his first instinct was to look up like, what? And... I'm like right in front of us. We both look up and there's three teal landed right in front of us in the spread. We weren't even paying attention. And yeah, that was, we both pop up and we both at least got one out of that. Yeah. That was, that was a funny little story. That was funny that it all happened. Didn't even hear them land. I mean, I was so zoned out. I mean, there was just like, they yeah. came in so fast and just all of a sudden were right in front of us. So when it comes to duck hunting, I mean, because you haven't duck hunted a lot. I did duck hunt a lot. Mm -hmm. There's, a few components to duck hunting that I think are important. There's ammunition. Ammunition and shotguns is important with the steel stuff. You have to pick really good stuff. Oh, big time. Oh, it sounds like Tom's out plowing. You guys are going to hear some rumbling once in a while. Sorry. <laughs> so ammunition is definitely an important part. Having good, fast ammunition that patterns well yep. and can reach out there is important. Yep. Decoy. Decoy placement. Very, very important. Yeah. Your spread. Um... You're blind. I mean, being hidden from both top and front are paramount. Yep. Uh, what do you think of those things that are like are they like the most important? Uh, the most important, like starting off. Or yeah, like so, like from ducking before, not doing it much, to like now, of all the things like I've showed you and stuff. What 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 is what is more most important in that group? Uh, I would say uh, decoy spread, making sure you have it set up correct and. How to how you want to get the birds to land in your spread? How you want them? How you want them to cooperate with what you have in front of you, and being hidden. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm in full agreement with you that decoy placement is paramount. I mean, you can be a good caller, yep. or a bad caller, or not call at all. If your decoys aren't telling those ducks where to land, they are not going to come in. Oh heck no. So just going out and blindly throwing them out there is not. I mean, it's, it, it'll work ten percent of the time. So from, from the first time we've been hunting this place where we were at, mm -hmm. where we've been hunting, from when I threw out, you know, we had the 
duck decoys and they were kind of more all in one little spot but they were kind of more out in the center we had the birds landing away from us and you're like hey the next time let's just bring them in a little closer and i should get the decoys the birds to come in to land closer and that's what we did the next day because we that was the day that we went two days in a row and yeah the birds started wanting to commit and come in closer to us where the other ones were wanting to try and be where the decoys were and it was a little bit further of a shot right yeah so i was telling them where to go uh we had we ended up moving the decoys probably what two hours in where we opened up that center channel i was like hey let's pull decoys this direction this direction make a runway right here in the middle sure enough the birds that decoyed i mean they were right in front of us yeah they ended up being right in front of us and perfect shots Man, it was it, you couldn't ask for anything better than that. Man. I don't know how you guys feel, but duck numbers have been down this year. I mean, just a abundance of ducks flying and stuff compared to last year up here. It's totally different. I mean, you may you may have a few patches in the morning and some in the evening and a couple throughout the day, but nothing like last year. I felt like I had ducks coming in all day every day. Yeah, it just and tons of mallards and stuff, and I'm just not seeing that this year. Right. I I you know I am always paying attention to the sky and just watching for what I can see. I've been seeing a good number of birds, but yeah, being on the water and being out trying to get them, it, it's it's weird. Yeah. It's the mallards, the amount of mallards that, like the first time we went out, that's the most mallards we had coming in yep. spread. That was, that was it. And then now we've had what, maybe one to two groups one to at two. a time yep. come in with groups, groups of- Groups are small, three, three two. To, three to five maybe yeah. of mallards, but we've been mostly getting golden eye. Just because they come zooming right past us, and it's just, oh, hey, look, boom. Yeah. That's just kind of how it's been this year, and I'm not going to complain. Yeah, we're still getting some, and we're still getting yeah. golden eyes, which is pretty fun to shoot. And oh. then yours yesterday. <laughs> which <laughs> Saturday. We thought it was a teal, and you got a meganser. Oh, yeah. <laughs> got a little baby meganser. I hate those birds. Size of a freaking teal, and we're like, oh, yeah, that's a teal. Yeah, it looks like a hen teal from here. Yeah goes out there and picks it up and oh god that's just a freaking meganser yep yeah they uh have megansers fish birds <laughs> anyway so back to the winter jet boating i mean so clogged intakes lots of ice on the river hitting the bottom multiple times my intake fins are just absolutely yours are, trashed yeah yours are jacked um the 18 i think is much better for 18 foot g3 i mean Probably for this time of year, just because of the shallower draft. Yeah. And just being able to not see the bottom of stuff. I don't. I think we've been in any place where your 18 couldn't get up on plane or go, where mine is hitting the bottom and stuff with the 20. It's just. Yeah. Well, I mean, if we jump back to like the first time I had my boat and we took it out, that corner that I spun out in. Yeah. That was right in the middle of a, a rock, a, a gravel bar. Yeah. Gravel you didn't even touch. I, I didn't even touch, and I still hopped up on plane right in the middle of it. Yeah. I mean. Or mine, I got to find a deeper hole. I got to find a two foot, two and a half foot yeah. hole to be able to get up in. It's just, it's, it's the difference in boats as far as shallow water ability. If you're looking at like you're, I'm a duck hunter, I need a jet because it's rocky bottom. I can't run something with a prop or a surface drive. Then you might want to look at that 18 and just sacrifice the space because you yeah. need that shallow water up and down. I mean, I'll do it with my 20. There's just, there's trade-offs. Yeah. And that shallow water deal is definitely a trade-off. Um, as far as running up the river, I mean, you obviously have to bundle up. Oh. <laughs> I mean, you can't, like, you don't even have insulated waders, so you don't wear your waders. You wear bibs and pants on okay. your bibs and stuff. I'm wearing, I typically wear a pair of long underwear and then some kind of slick hunting pants, and then I wear my insulated frog toggers on top of that. And then up top, I'm wearing 
a base layer t-shirt and then my first light um let's see it was the klamath um quarter zip um, which is like a waffle fleece and then on top of that i'm wearing some usually a puffy jacket mm-hmm. and on top of that i'm wearing a hunting jacket camo shirt and usually for the boat trip i have to throw on my bernie big carhartt styled coat yeah. just to run up there face mask beanie yeah I mean, that wind against your face is so freaking cold, especially and, in the mornings. Yeah, and I don't, I don't know what it is. I mean, when we ran up and when we ran down, I didn't have a face mask. Yeah. I wasn't wearing a face mask. On the way down, my hands got cold because my gloves got wet from picking up decoys. Yeah. Two pairs, but, of, two pairs of gloves. You're out winter, like, boating and stuff. Two pairs of gloves because you're going to get wet duck hunting and stuff, and you cannot, like, having wet gloves driving down, it's, your fingertips get so dang cold. Oh, man, I... My hands were wet as it was from picking up decoys, and then we just, you know, started hauling butt down. And, yeah, my hands on the way down, they, they suffered a bit. But yeah. beyond the way up, having gloves, and I didn't have a face face mask. It, it was, to me, it was a, a little chilly, but... It, Coming down wasn't too bad. I mean, it was still warmer out. We were just cold from being in the water and stuff, uh-huh. I think. The mornings are what get me that more... Those icy mornings driving up, that's where I'm like, I gotta cover my face up, because it just freezes me. Yeah. Oh. oh, and then me freaking standing in there with just regular old neoprene waders. Yeah, no, no, no insulation, no nothing. They're not and neoprene. They're like they're 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 are, breathable. Yeah. yeah, breathable freaking waders. Yeah, That's with, with the non-insulated boot boot foot. So yeah. I've tended to be the dog, so because I wear my insulated waders, and Brock can get out of his waders and be in his bibs and stuff and be warmer. So we did something kind of cool this last weekend. We're like, well. Supposed to be cold. It turned out not to be as cold as we thought it was going to be because yeah, the snow that, came in and it was like thirty-five. Uh, yeah, I think it was like the on the weather saying it was supposed to be like thirty-three as a high, but yeah. it could have got warmer with when the sun popped. I thought out. I checked once and it was like thirty-five when the sun came out. And we were warm. I mean, I, oh, I, don't, I didn't wear my gloves most of the day. Me neither. No. And it was yeah, plenty warm. But we had this idea since it was going to be cold, we're going to take my uh, pop-up deer blind, and we took that and we brought my big propane tank and buddy heater. Um, I got the mid-sized buddy here, not the big buddy where it takes two canisters, but the one size down from that. And I just run it on a main line back to a big propane tank and like, oh, well, since we're going to have that out there, you can take those grills off the front of them and put them to where you can set a pan on it. And so I brought a cast iron pan and I brought some deer from my boy I shot last weekend. And uh, yeah, so we uh, fried up some deer and added some uh, red chili sauce and made some tacos out there. Delicious. That was bomb. And inside oh. that inside that deer blind was like probably sixty degrees. Uh-huh. I mean it's it is fresh coffee the whole day. Yeah. Percolator. Percolator had, coffee, so hot coffee all day. Oh man, it was if you want to talk about a spoiled day duck hunt night, you can't you can't say any better day than that. Yeah, that was really good. And we all had that hot food and hot coffee all day. So I think the hot coffee all day especially is gonna be a oh, thing that be- we carry on and keep doing, whether we do it in the deer blind or not. But Oh yeah. Sure. So that was definitely some spoilage there, just having the warm spot. If it was when it gets colder, it'll definitely be a godsend to have like a warm room you can go like in and warm your hands and gloves and back up. So got a few more trips that we'll probably get planned. So I'll be going out of town soon, and uh, so it'll be probably we'll catch up with a few of the late January hunts. We won't be open here on the east side, so we'll be have to go over to the west side of Idaho and hunt over there. Uh, suppose there's more duck numbers that way anyway, so we might take a trip to Boise or something and go hunt the river out there which would be yeah that would be awesome the videos i've seen of the geese and ducks out there there should be a lot of them oh yeah so anything else that we can add about winter the winter wonderland we've been running in all the crazy people looking at us because we're going duck hunting oh yeah you definitely get some looks when your boat's sliding on the ice of the roads 
as you're heading out to go down the ramp. Oh, the boat ramp would be another good topic, like this last trip. Oh, man. So, in general, you know, we haven't had too much snow, four or five inches on the ground, maybe, right around there. The ramp has been completely fine every time we've been out. Yep. Launching and yeah. retrieving hasn't been a problem Mm-mm. this last weekend. Oh, man. We almost – it would have been helpful if we had a second truck just to make it easier. There would have been less sliding on your truck, but – or even like what you said, like so the way we really had to deal with wasn't so much that the ramp we launched from is a godsend because we don't have to back the truck down the ramp. Yeah. So the truck's sitting level and the boat just drops off into the river down the ramp and the boat the truck's the level. So really you have a ton of traction and it's not too bad getting out of there. But this time there was about an ice shelf with probably two and a half feet off of the shoreline across the ramp. Yeah. With a drop off. And that was a one foot drop off probably. So you had to yeah. back the boat off, drop that, the trailer would drop down. When we launched, obviously it wasn't an issue. We didn't have the boat weight on there, oh, yeah. but coming up, it was definitely an issue. It was grabbing us and sticking us and yeah. trying so, to try yeah. pull it out. And so I finally just backed up and gave it a he and a ha a couple times and ripped it up over that, broke my license plate mount off. So that was cool. Um, the smarter idea would have been to take the <coughs> axe that we had. And just kind of chip the ice away to just so we don't have to worry about that drop off. That's Yep. So some prep work on our part would have made that better. Yeah um so that but i mean it really hasn't been that big of an issue even it wasn't even that slick once i, I even dug down to dirt once yeah. i got down to dirt i had tons of traction mm-hmm. so haven't had an issue there at that ramp but if you're on an inclining ramp i mean you're gonna need snow chains or something to get back up because mm-hmm. it's just having that boat weight behind you especially the 20 i think if you're 18 it wouldn't have been as bad we could just would have just popped right up there i think yeah. wouldn't have had to deal with that as bad but with that weight of that 20 even behind a diesel truck it just yeah and then just the little bit of pack down snow from the trips that we've gone before and then the fresh snow on top of it from the week week before when we went it it things just added up like the just problems to go wrong could just kept adding up yeah if we would have just taken the time and just chipped the ice out we we would have been no problem it would have been easy right. it would have been a straight pull up like the truck probably wouldn't even slid at all so yeah it, just minor little things of making it so it'd just be easier, but that's... Yeah, just learning how to do it, because neither one of us have really ran boats in the winter before. <sighs> no. So. Well, I mean, I, I I never was into boats until starting working at a, de- a boat dealership. Right. And that's... My family, we were never boat people, so anything boating is all new to me. Like, this is all new. Yeah. First time we go out duck hunting and I get a... Or first time we go out hunting... And I get and I have my boat to go run. We're running up in dark, and I'm like, uh, what? Yep, running boats in dark up the river where you can't see anything, and and I'm I'm kind of in a way I'll free, in my own boat, me just driving, and I'm freaking terrified, like oh shit, what's gonna happen? <laughs> but I just kept with Lane, just kept following which lines he was going, and yeah, just stay on just plane. Fine. That's the biggest thing, just stay on plane and keep it shallow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. Wake up in the morning and be towing a boat at eight degrees, and knowing you're about to go launch in the water and everything. Yep. Um, letting your motor motor warm up. I'm pretty big on that. You know, that's a, good, a big one. Yeah. Solid ten minutes in the morning, get that motor hot. Yep. Um, you don't want to just go start this thing at nine degrees and go hammer down. These things don't have transmissions to downshift. You need to let that thing warm up, get the oil warm, get everything pumping and flowing uh-huh. good, and then go. Yeah. Well, and I mean, you, you know, we still do the whole with the outboards. They. They tend, they typically self-drain. Yep. But we, they, it's easier to if you just trim the motor up once or twice to get the water out from underneath the impeller. But we've seen it on your boat. You know, we started up at the ramp, and it takes 
five minutes before it starts peeing, then that's just because there's the teeny bit of water that's in the lines up on the motor. Yeah, so you still get freezing, just not enough you, to crack you, anything, you know, yeah, just, but you yeah. still get freezing where you have to let that warm up and get the water flowing through mm-hmm. and everything. And you're still pumping water, so your impeller's yeah. fine. It's just, you know, me me not having still being a mechanic on them, I look at it as it's not pumping. You're, you're you know, you're not. Oh, Brock I, freaks out about the telltales. As soon as that thing doesn't pump any water, I'm like, it's fine. Yep. Oh, no, no, no. And I go take a wire and punch it with a wire and then it comes out again. It's like, yeah, it, you get used to like that kind of stuff. I mean. But even, I mean, it's in the water. It's still pumping water. So there's yeah. not anything. And I feel like I'm getting better at that. But it's I'm not concerned like a, until I hear an alarm. Yeah, yeah, so it was just like much. when we when we launched the other day, we got to our spot, and I was and basically I put it against uh, an island that we could walk in shallow water on the other side to set our decoys up and unload everything. And I'm walking around, and all of a sudden I hear an alarm. Well, I sucked up into my impeller because I had it idle forward to hold it against the island, and it sucked up some ice and plugged it up, and so it wasn't pumping any water up into the motor, cooling it down. So it overheated, went, shut it off, ice floated off, started back up, it was pumping water again. Mm-hmm. But even then, like that's not a big of a deal. You're not going to burn up your impeller. Yeah, for a, a, quite a long while. I mean, it takes it takes a lot more than people think it does to burn up your impeller, and usually it takes a dry housing. Yep. If you were just pumping water ten you know, five minutes ago, and all of a sudden you stop pumping because you sucked up some sand and some rocks and stuff, if you're, you're not paying attention, you get that alarm and shut it off. You're most likely didn't fry your impeller, especially a newer impeller, yeah. um, just because it's already shaped to the, the the housing. Now it's not new, it's not dry, yeah. it's got water in there. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's fine. Yep. So yeah, being you know you you have to. Check these things and fix the problem, but the immediate issue isn't isn't going to be detrimental. Mm-hmm. Almost ever. I mean, even running bass boats and stuff, driving these things, I'd tilt them back and drive back into marshes and stuff, and my motor would be back there as I have grass wrapping it and beep, you know, and then you do that for three minutes just to get out of that marsh. You know, I'm not going to suggest you do that or that it's good for it. I'm just saying that we did, and you, you get out of it, trip your motor up, pull the grass off of it, start it up, it's pumping water again, you're fine. Yeah. So you just don't want to heat it up to the point where you're, you know, that warn that warning alarm isn't really the engine overheating. It's more of like, hey, you're about to overheat, but yeah, you shut it off now. You should be okay to let it calm down. Right, and so you just don't want to heat it up the motor to the point where you're like burning up seals and stuff and melting seals. Because we have seen yeah. that happen on some of these big towboats and stuff, and it is. Yep. Absolutely, will roast them. So you don't want to go running with the alarm going off and keep heating that motor up. But I mean, how many times you know you're you're driving a, your truck and stuff, and you've had a water pump fail, and the only way that you know that it fails is you look down, and your mo- your your gauge is saying check gauges, and you see that pop up first. You look over, and it's on red hot. You don't know how long that motor's been that hot. Mm-mm. You know, it's probably been that hot for you know two three minutes. And, you know, it doesn't do any damage. You know, and then you shut it off, and you see all your fluid run out and everything, and then you realize you have a problem. But no, it's not, it's not detrimental stuff to suck stuff up and, and have your impeller not pump for a minute. You know, just shut it off and let it off. Um, even setting up rocks, I've noticed that it, most of the time when you shut the motor off, if you haven't hit the foot against the bottom, those pebbles just float back down and you can start back up and have suction again. Yep. Exactly. So pulling the boat out of the water um, with an outboard, they self-drain. So when it's, when you pull it out of the water and it's tilted all the way down, pretty much all your motor is draining with these. With any impeller, you want to tilt it all the way up, tilt it back down, um, tilt it up, leave it for you know a minute or so, and then tilt it down, and that drains your impeller housing out, and it also allows the water in your manifolds to drain completely out also. Yep. So we usually do two or three tilts when we pull any of our boats out right now yep. and let it thaw, and yeah. th- that's about all we need. So yeah, it's, it's, yeah. All, it's all pretty simple stuff. It's just stuff you have to watch out for. It is unnerving when you're in the river current and you suck up something and you're plugged up and you have to shut the motor off. And now you're going towards the shore and stuff. You know, just keep your head cool. 
yeah. which I have a hard time with. And uh, just shut the motor off, tilt it up, tilt it down, take the time and fix the problem because you're not moving anyway. Get it back in the water and then you can back out or whatever you need to do at that point. Yep. So, I mean, it's just, you know, just, sm- just be smooth about it. Just be calm. Yep. Shut it down. Let the river take you down. You're going to be fine. Start it back up and then get running again. So, yep. in general, you know, once I've heated up the motor, I'm pretty much getting up on plane and moving pretty fast to make sure I'm not slushing up and getting clogged. Yeah. Um, that seems to work just fine once you're going. Mm-hmm. It's not really a problem. You can hit the thickest of slush piles and it seems to go right through it. Yeah. Um, jumping ice blocks doesn't hurt the boat at all. Doesn't hurt the motor. Doesn't hurt the motor. You know, usually we drive a little bit tilted up to get the motor kind of in our tunnel as level as possible with the back of the boat. Yep. So anything sliding on the bottom of the boat goes right past the, the impeller and it hasn't been a big problem. Yep. So. I mean, the first time we jumped an ice sheet was, it was a pretty big ice sheet. That, that was in your boat, right? Yeah. That, it was that Wednesday before mm-hmm. Thanksgiving. Yep. We ran up to do a quick little, see if we could find you a deer for that archery and we were coming down and we broke some ice chunks and where we stopped it they was flowing down we caught up with it coming down because it's already starting to get dark and you're sitting there talking me through it just just kind of keep to the right keep to the right and then it was like all right just turn into it and you'll slide right over it and yep i can make sense it makes sense on you know, with a big enough ice sheet you don't hit the motor because as your front end comes up your you know your motor drops down a little bit but as you come off of it on the back on the other side of it your front's dropping down, so your motor's already tip, picked up past where yep. the ice sheet is. As long as you just, have speed. Yes, as long as you have speed. So don't, you know, a lot of people, the reason they get in trouble with jet boats on gravel bars or ice chunks or anything is because they they, have, they slow down because they want to hit it as slow as possible, and that's where you get into trouble. With a jet boat, you need to hit that thing fast and get over top of it. You know, you're going over a sandbar, you want to go over it fast, or a gravel bar. You know, that way that you get that water pressure bubble built up underneath you and pushes the boat up. If you go too slow, you're just going to dig into that gravel bar and then you're screwed. Yeah, you're um, going to be stuck dead in the water right yeah. there. Yeah, and ice sheet, if you slide over it too slow, you're going to hit your jet pump coming across the other side. It probably won't do any damage, but you're still hitting it. Where if you just hit it fast, it gets over with quickly. Yep. Um, just like coming down the other day, we brought some ice chunks, you know, because it warmed up so much. And yep. driving down, we had some big ice chunks we had to navigate and go over. And my theory is, is don't try to corner cut them or anything. Just hit them flat. Let your whole boat take the impact and go up and over them versus hitting a corner where it can, you know, push really hard on a, on a section of your boat, maybe dent it or something if it's a big enough ice chunk. Yeah. Um, hit it square and hit it fast and just get over the top of it. Exactly, yeah. Um, you won't ever have a problem with that. I can't think of anything. Can you think of anything else that we missed? No. I mean, other than that one time we went out the early season and my cables were kind of freezing up, but I, we've already hit touch base on that. Yeah, we did that on the last one, right? Yeah. In the last G3 one, so... Yeah, I think we covered all the stuff that we kind of has come up since we did our last G3 video and talked about, you know, winter jet boating and stuff and kind of going into it. It's kind of changed now because we've now done it quite a bit and yeah. in really cold weather compared to before. Oh, yeah. And we haven't had actually icing up of anything, yeah. honestly. I think we'll just keep your motor tilted down. Exactly. Keep that stuff put down in the water and it'll be fine. Yeah. So uh, freezing the bottom of the boat, drain plugs freezing, that's been horrible. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, there's no really good way to deal with that. I've just left mine in, and now I have like an inch of water in the boat from getting in and out and stuff that is just frozen in there. So that's just going to be there until it basically unthaws and I can drain it out. So I probably have a lot of extra weight in the boat right now, too, just from having the ice in there. Oh, yeah. Big um, time. You have the better drain plugs from the outside, so you can get them in and out pretty you know, yep, the, reliably. The tail and bales. The tail and bales, yep. So I want to install some of those in my boat, which I might do this week, and just yeah. have them and be good. So, yeah. well, if there's nothing else. I think just, yeah. If, if there's any questions, just yeah. Of course, you know, come to our Facebook, come go to our YouTube channel, Next Gen Marine Outdoors. It's all under the same name. 
um, ask us questions, and we'll address them and go from there. And yeah. Other than that, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, we'll talk to you again in a couple weeks. I got some uh, surprises coming and an announcement for next year. So we'll go over that, and you guys have a great week. Hey, everyone. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We would like to take a quick moment and thank our sponsors. Monarch Fly Lines. Did you know that there is an American-made, PVC-free fly line? Monarch Fly Lines from Boulder, Colorado has all the lines you need and is offering 10% off to any of my listeners. Use NextGen Marine 10 at checkout. Corker's Wading Boots. With soles that can be changed for traction demands, look no further than Corker's Wading Boots. I've fished mine all summer long, and all I can say is with a retention system that's both fast and reliable, Corker's are sure to keep your feet under you on any river. Find the links below, guys. Thanks for listening.